Costume Drama Rewind. We're back with a movie that historians love to hate. Released in 2000, Gladiator was directed by Ridley Scott and stars Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Rolf Mueller, Oliver Reed, a hologram of Oliver Reed, Jamon Hansu, Derek Jacoby, and Dumbledore. First, a quick synopsis. Now for wrath, now for ruin, and the red dawn! Whoops, wrong battle. The year is 180, and Maximus Decimus Murdius, a great Roman general, is preparing to fight a pitched battle against a bunch of hulking, surly-looking Germans who do kind of resemble Orakai, which explains my earlier confusion. He wins, mostly by using an array of weaponry that isn't precisely incorrect for the time, just used in totally the wrong context. Oh, hellcrackers. <laughs> if I nitpick all of this, it's going to take forever. Let's go. <laughs> Maximus wins the battle, and he goes to meet with the emperor, Marcus Aurelius, who reveals that he's dying, and he wants Maximus to take over and restore the Roman Republic. The emperor's son, Commodus, is not pleased about this plan, and he manages to murder his father before word can get out. He hugs him to death. And he sends Maximus off into the woods to be executed. Maximus escapes, Chuck Norris style, which means that his enemies patiently wait to attack him one by one, and he rides hard for home, where his wife and son have already been murdered on Commodus's orders. Maximus collapses into the dust and is picked up by a slave trader named Proximo, who forces him into the world's most depressing training montage. Let's get down to business. Back in Rome, Commodus decides to cement his new reign by holding a great gladiatorial games which brings Proximo, Maximus, and friends to town to participate. In the very first bout, meant to be a reenactment of the Battle of Zama, Maximus leads his fellow gladiators, costumed as Carthaginian warriors, to a stunning upset victory over the Roman soldiers, which is, of course, completely ahistorical and therefore a nice little metaphor for this whole movie. Commodus is impressed and asks to meet this great hero in front of the crowd, who reveals himself as Maximus and vows vengeance against Commodus, and therefore it is on like Donkeyus Congus. Maximus continues to win the affection of the crowd as he wins in the arena day after day. Meanwhile, he reconnects with Commodus's widowed sister Lucilla, whose son Lucius is Commodus's heir. Lucilla knows that Commodus killed their father and that he is a dangerous and unstable wannabe tyrant who is also warm for her form and hopeful that she will give him a direct heir of his own. That just got weird. Lucilla con convinces Maximus to ally with Gracchus, a senator who wants to overthrow Commodus and restore power to the Senate. The night before their plan is to get underway, Lucius unwittingly spills the beans to his uncle. Commodus arrests Gracchus and storms the gladiators' barracks. They sacrifice themselves to allow Maximus to get away, but he is captured and forced to go ahead with the next day's planned arena fight, a one-on-one -on -one sword fight with Commodus, who tries to ensure his own victory by visiting Maximus just before they enter the arena and stabbing him in the back, literally. Despite his wound, Maximus overpowers and disarms Commodus in the arena. The Praetorian Guard are disgusted at Commodus's obvious cowardice, and they refuse to help him. Maximus kills him, but he's also dying of his wound. And with his last breaths, he asks for his fellow gladiators to be freed and for the Republic to be restored as Marcus Aurelius wanted. So, first impressions of Gladiator, a movie that has been out for over 20 years. <laughs> Back in high school, they play this at a church lock-in, and I conked out after the first few minutes, only to wake up in the last few minutes, which are exactly the same. Which I thought was a joke until I saw the movie, and yep. So I can't believe this hasn't come up yet, but I actually took four years of Latin in high school. Super cool, bleeding edge of hip. 
And on the last day of school before winter break in Latin 1, our teacher let us watch this movie, and I was busy playing Latin Hangman with James Schrader, who sat next to me and on whom I had a terrible crush, so I watched none of it and retained no memory of the movie except some remarkably bad lighting, and that my prowess at Latin Hangman, for some inexplicable reason, did not get me any dates. So, with that slightly awkward confession, hope he's not listening. <laughs> Friend of the pod! <laughs> Let's get down to the heart of the matter. Honestly, the most interesting thing about this movie for me was learning about what influenced the filmmakers. The largest contributor is the three-hour-long and extremely boring movie from 1964, The Fall of the Roman Empire, which has the same Marcus Aurelius wants a general to succeed him, but Commodus gets in the way plot. While there's no gladiator aspect, the Maximus stand-in does kill off Commodus in a one-on-one -on -one fight, and then he pieces out when he realizes just how corrupt Rome is. So again, yet another movie fails to acknowledge that Emperor Pertinax succeeds Commodus. Hashtag justice for Pertinax. Gladiator scriptwriter David Franzoni got the idea for the actual gladiatorial games plot when he picked up a copy of Daniel P. Maddox's Those About to Die. And the book, Gladiator, Film, and History, edited by Martin Winkler, also explains that the weaponry and scenery was inspired by a number of other movies, including the 1916 movie Intolerance, the 1951 Quo Vadis, did I get that right? Yes! And the 1932 Science of the Cross. For the look and feel aspect, Victorian painter Lawrence Alma Tadema's paintings of ancient Rome were so influential for these sword and sandal movies that he's called the painter who inspired Hollywood. And his work also influenced Gladiator's not historically accurate, very flimsy female costumes. Forever 21, circa 2007. <laughs> and one famous painting, Jean-Léon Jérôme's 1871 painting, Police Verso, I think I got that right, yep. also inspired the look and feel of Gladiator. This is a painting where the Roman audience is encouraging a gladiator to kill his opponent with the famous thumbs-down motion. It's also worth noting that in reality, a thumbs-down meant sword should be sheathed and mercy should be granted. A thumbs-up meant kill him and grill him. <laughs> screenwriters... <laughs> the screenwriters changed it because they thought American audiences would be confused. I'm... We're gonna get that theme throughout. What does this say about us? <laughs> The most notorious influence on Gladiator, however, is Lenny Riefenstahl's 1935 propaganda movie, Triumph of the Will, which depicts the 1934 Nazi Party's Nuremberg rally. Gladiator mirrors a number of shots from this movie in its sequence of Commodus entering Rome as conqueror of the Marcomanni. There are some videos on YouTube you can check out that show these influences shot for shot. But you know what did not influence Gladiator? actual history. The producers hired a Harvard professor as a historical consultant, but she was so disappointed with their ignoring her suggestions that she didn't even want to be included in the credits. Awkward. So what is actually historically accurate about this movie? Well, there's a place called Rome. They're pretty into blood and guts. Over to Laura with a few notes on costuming. <laughs> no, there are actually a couple of things to talk about here. Marcus Aurelius did die while on military campaign against the powerful Germanic tribe, the Marcomanni, but he died from plague rather than patricide. He did actually want Commodus to succeed him, and even made him co-emperor in 176 AD. And while Marcus Aurelius thought the games were boring, he didn't actually ban them. 
All that to say, Commodus was still not particularly popular and his reign was marked by intrigue with multiple plots to overthrow him, probably because he was a little bit unstable and a lot bit of an Once he came to sole power, he tended to be less interested in governing and administering and all those things that Rome's famous for, and much more interested in the other thing that Rome is famous for, which is planning really bloody games in which he would participate for his own self-aggrandizement. So that part does check out. Not seeing the problem here. He did not, as far as we know, ever attempt to get it on with his sister Lucilla. Her first marriage was to her father's co-ruler Lucius Verus, with whom she had a son also named Lucius, but who died young and was never considered his uncle's heir. She married again and did attempt to coup against her brother as he grew increasingly into a megalomaniac, but he uncovered the plot, exiled her to the Isle of Capri, and had her executed there. It's way harsh, Ty. Commodus himself would also eventually be assassinated, his mistress discovered her name on a list of those that he planned to execute, along with several members of his government. They first attempted to poison his wine, but he threw it up. So they next recruited his training partner, the wrestler Narcissus, who came to Commodus's private chambers and strangled him in either the bath or the bed, or the beyond, <laughs> depending on which source you read. Oh, and in the original movie script, they were going to call Russell Crowe's character that. Okay. So at any rate, the, in the words of beloved former Washington, D.C. Mayor Marion Barry, the b set him up. The form of the gladiatorial games that we see in the movie is pared down from what they actually would have been like. And I think we're all okay with that because it would have made the movie even longer. And we would have been completely traumatized with all the animal cruelty. Allegedly, the games originated in 264 B.C. when a patrician... Decimus Junius Brutus hosted a few fights to the death as part of his dad's funeral, inspired by this ancient funereal custom of human sacrifice. I much prefer the funeral custom of a good cheese plate. <laughs> Over the centuries, the games became less associated with funerals, and they were more tied in with religious festivals, but also politics. Emperors did subsidize the games and chariot races, but also patricians who wanted to get into politics would sponsor them. I guess it's the ancient equivalent of handing out bumper stickers and pins. The book Gladiator Film and History explains that by the reign of Commodus, there were some very strict categories for gladiators. These included... Equus. Horsemen. Lightly armed fighters. Hoplomachus. Net fighters. Rhetorius. Secutors. Thracians. And Samnites. Etc. The category dictated the type of armor, and with a few exceptions, gladiators could not fight opponents in their same category. So your category dictated what other category you could fight against. As an example, since Commodus always fought as a secutor, he would have just been wearing a loincloth, mm. <laughs> a helmet, some light padding, and a shield and a short sword. And based on these customary pairings between the gladiator types, Maximus should have been fighting as a Rhetorius. Did I get that? Oh. Yeah. Great. Doing great. Thanks. And he would have been just carrying a net, a trident, and a short sword. Maximus killed the guy with a trident. <laughs> been meaning to talk to you for a while, Maximus. You should probably lay low for a while. You're probably wanted for murder. <laughs> well, that accelerated. <laughs> the movie does get some things right. They did have over-the-top MCs. The Emperor could be as involved as he wanted. Nero, Domitian, and Commodus were all known to participate one way or another, whether it was killing animals, racing with chariots, or actually fighting gladiators. And some hosts did actually throw food to the crowds. On another fun note, according to IMDb, 
Ridley Scott decided to not include info about olive oil companies sponsoring the games, which really did happen, because, again, he didn't think we would leave him. There's that theme again. I know. Gladiators who won their freedom did receive a wooden sword, like the one Proxima shows off. And not all gladiators were slaves, though. Some freedmen entered the games by choice, whether it's because of financial circumstances or they just liked the sport, and criminals and prisoners of war were often used as unwilling participants, especially for fights with animals. While the gladiatorial games did start to wane in popularity in the 3rd century because of political and financial crises, it took several bans by Christian emperors to finally stop the games between the gladiators once and for all in 438 AD. Animal fights, however, did continue. So now we come to the big question. How many helmets are we awarding to Gladiator? Can I award separate rankings for how much I liked the story versus how much I hated the history? I'll allow it. I would give a full five helmets for the story. It is well established on the pod that I am a historical romantic and a hopeless sucker for a one-man-against-the-establishment story, and this was a great one well told. For the history, I'm going to give it 1.5 helmets because they do get it spot on that Commodus was pretty much off his rocker even if they get basically everything else incredibly, (laughs) deeply, profoundly wrong. So I have to deduct points because this movie is so painfully long. I also have to take off more points because it panders so much to American audiences with the sacred Republic idea. While also thinking we're kind of dumb. Unlike what one of the characters says, Rome was actually founded as a kingdom, not a Republic. However, I have to add some points back in because of Hans Zimmer's proto-Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack. So, do the math, 2.5 helmets. Is this the first time you've scored a movie higher than I have? Probably. Wow. What's in the name? I am self-aware enough to know that this is going to be the most obnoxiously pedantic moment so far in the history of this podcast. But as Greg Kinnear once said in You've Got Mail, I just can't help myself. In Roman naming conventions, you have a prinomen, which is your personal name, then a nomen, which signifies your clan or descent group, and finally a cognomen, which is your family name. So take the name of our hero. It is completely out of order. Maximus is a cognomen, Decimus is a prinomen, and Meridius is a nomen. So in proper order, his name should actually be Decimus Meridius Maximus. I am too annoyed to talk about this any further, so I am turning it over to, in gladiator naming conventions, Scoglora Anne. Thanks, Jet Meganadel. In a lot of these sword and sandal movies, they don't really seem to acknowledge that winter exists in the Roman Empire. So I like that they had cold weather clothing for the Germanic scenes. Yay, neckerchiefs. I do want to point out, though, Comtus kind of looks like he's wearing a full-blown turtleneck in a few scenes, which I don't think is accurate. <laughs> but holy hell, Lucilla's costuming. This isn't just Alma to Dama's paintings of diaphanously clad women. It's basically all one-strap satin prom dresses with a shawl over them. And in the final scene, she's wearing a freaking corset and skirt. And the the weird gold stickers that she wears between the eyebrows, that's not a sufficient substitute for the dark monobrow that ancient Roman women had. And yet, I regret to inform you, this movie won the Oscar for Best Costumes. Pour one out for the costuming teams for 101 Dalmatians and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, who were also nominated that year. So finally, where have I seen them before as we update our ongoing actor account? We have three actors in this movie who also turned up in From Hell, which we watched last year for spoo 
Spooky October. David Schofield, who plays Falco here, played a local baddie. Nicholas McCary, one of the Praetorian Guard in Gladiator, played a Metropolitan Police Officer. And Al Ashton, a gladiatorial trainer here, is a stonecutter in the East End during From Hell. Dirk Jacobi, who plays Senator Gracchus, shows up in Gosford Park as part of the Downstairs crew. Arnold Monty, who plays a Roman soldier here, turns up in a party scene in the 2019 version of Little Women. And Steve Saunders, who plays a soldier from the Marco Manai, turns up in In the Heart of the Sea, she made me say it that way, as a farmer from Nantucket. That's all for this episode. Join us next time as we watch a relatively recent entry into the costume drama catalog to which one of us has a fun personal connection that we can't wait to tell you about. Operation Mincemeat. This is Costume Drama Rewind. Thanks for listening. Thank you.